This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Mother's Day is May 12th. And in advance, Sona, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you, You're Conan. a terrific mom, and your kids are here today with Did us. you get me a present? I'm Well, it's not May 12th yet, but oh. I'm getting you one. Okay, thank yeah. you. Well, guess what? Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. You can shop by price category or browse curated gift lists ranging from for the mom who has everything to the gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. I, I like when you can so go by easy. price because I can go right down to the bottom. Oh, <laughs> Get lines of something for a dollar. Sorry, baby. Oh. <laughs> Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid cameras, and the Samsung smart TV, The Frame. Oh, yeah. Shop now at Macy's.com slash gift finder. And happy Mother's Day, moms. Mm. Hi, my name is Chris Martin. And I feel really great about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I'm a professional podcaster named Conan O'Brien. Uh, I've been doing this for a number of years, and I'm I'm a real real pro. Oh boy! I'm really I'm the gold standard by oh which boy. everybody is judged now. Sitting here with Sona, Sona, wouldn't you call me the gold standard? No, I wouldn't call you the gold standard. I think there's people who've done it longer than you, who and would, much better. Uh, oh, yeah, much better. I yeah. think you're good. Okay. I think you're fine. Okay. I think you're okay. I have a story um, about the phrase, the gold standard, that involves the great Johnny Carson. Oh. Yeah. I had the privilege of getting to to meet him a couple of times and talk to him on the phone a few times. And I remembered once uh, I sent him, I was hosting some special in the history of NBC on late night, I think 50 years. And so I, I got the chance to, uh, with my, my staff, we cut together these montages of every late night hosts cut together all of their best stuff so letterman jack parr you know pretty you know everybody steve allen i got to reach out and contact them and send them their stuff letterman from his uh, yeah late night show and of course johnny carson and then i got a call i didn't expect i just thought it would be this is before email i think but bef i thought i'd just get a message that johnny carson either approved or didn't and then i get this call and they say johnny carson's on the line for you and okay. of course my soul left my, I mean, it was just the, the, you know, he's the biggest star in the world all, all the time I was growing up. And 
uh, informed everybody's idea of what a late night show was. So I saw the blinking light and I was like, that blinking light is Johnny Carson. And someone said, no, that's the light that tells you he's on the phone. That's not Johnny. <laughs> but anyway, I picked up the phone, I hit the button and there's, you know, his famous voice. And he more or less was telling me that he watched the montage and he, he thought it was good. He thought we did a good job and he really liked it. And, and in the special, I referred to him as the gold standard. Mm. I said, of course, Johnny Carson, the gold standard. And he said, my, my only, I don't really do a Carson impression, but he said something, uh, he said, uh, well, uh, the only thing I'll take ex exception to is uh, you, you referred to me as the gold standard, kind of a self-deprecating thing. That's the only thing I disagree with. You called me the, it felt like a little much. You called me the gold standard. And I said, well, keep in, uh, keep in mind, Johnny, that uh, gold has been greatly devalued. <laughs> And <laughs> I got a little chuckle. I'm not going to say I got a huge laugh, but I got a little chuckle and I was oh, so happy. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do you guys talk about? He then started going on and on about what a huge fan he was of mine. No, oh. he, he didn't. <laughs> no, he, we actually had a really uh, nice conversation. It wasn't that long. I don't like to overrepresent things, but uh, but it was really special. I, I got to tell him that one of my one of my favorite old Carson clips was he used to do uh, this this character, Art Fern. Oh, yeah. And Art Fern had this famous thing where he was like a fast-talking pitch man, kind yeah. of, and he was telling you how to go someplace in L.A. to buy a certain product. And, he's, and at one point, he just... Um, and I was telling Johnny Carson this. I said, oh, my God, every time my writers see this segment of Art Fern that we show with this with this line in it, we we die laughing. And so I, I I said, it's the one where you're Art Fern and you're saying, do this, get on the 101, get on, then switch to the 134, then get on the five freeway. And then he says, then uh, take the Slauson cutoff. And he says, then get out of your car and cut off your Slauson. Yeah. And <laughs> my writers, <laughs> and he says, and it's the way he kind of rides up on his toes a little bit and he goes, he says, take the Slauson cutoff, get out of your car, cut off your Slauson. And he's got this big pointer he keeps hitting the board with. And my writers and I, we like to think that we're edgy, young, hot shots. And we just we watch that clip. And every time he does that joke, we burst out laughing. It's timeless. When you brought up Art Fern, I almost said, cut off your Slauson. Cut off your Slauson. And I'm glad I didn't. And I, uh, I, I said, we see that. And I said, that joke is funny every time. And he said... It's, it was kind of just a nice moment because he said, yeah, he said, it, it is. He said, and he kind of chuckled and he went, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the conversation was, was over pretty quickly, but it was just really nice to be able to, to tell him, you know, how much uh, he meant to all these young writers still. You know, oh. this is years and years after he retired. So that was nice. That's really nice. Yeah. I have that memory until I lose it. <laughs> Slauson is penis. Yes. Oh, okay. In yeah. this case. Yeah. Yes. It's a street. I though. wish, you know what? Oh, yes, I know the street. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I think Johnny would have loved it. <laughs> Had you been on set, he would have loved it because he loved people like you. So I'm not even yeah. kidding. No, if he, he No, no, no. I'm serious. If you had been on set, he would have loved yeah. if if he'd said, get out of your car, cut off your Slauson. And if you had said, wait a minute, is Slauson penis? <laughs> now, of course, that would have shut down the network in 1974. Oh. But still, uh, I wonder when he you would have thought that was penis. really funny. Yeah. Um, oh, it was when Saturday Night Live did that sketch of the nudist sketch, wasn't it? That was the first time you were allowed to. And I worked on that sketch. Well, there no, were you didn't? talk about yeah. you're yeah. you're a penis uh pioneer yeah in, uh, in, Robert, that, in that sense robert smigel uh it was it, he was the lead person on that sketch but i worked on that sketch with him and uh 
wrote a song at the end, the penis song. Standards came in. I think it was actually the great Rick Ludwin. And they just said, there's no way you can do this. And uh, we were arguing that like, it's part of the anatomy. You should be able to say penis. Of course, now it seems like the most tame thing in the world. Yeah. But you, know? you get weird when people say vagina. So oh, you would be like, that. oh, okay. Don't so censor vagina. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, please. No. Please. Well, we, we, gotta, we gotta just shut that down. I had no idea you were the penis guy. Well, I, I know you quite, more as dickhead. Quite a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> of course, my nom de plume is dickhead. <laughs> but also in, in some parts of Europe, I'm known as the penis man. <laughs> Everyone calls me something different. Okay, well, I'm very excited uh, about our guest today. He is the co-founder and lead vocalist of the seven-time Grammy Award-winning band Coldplay. The band is currently on its sold-out Music of the Spheres world tour. Uh, this one's a little different. Uh, he did not come to our studio. Um, it was kind of a fun field trip. Hmm. I went out to fun. Malibu. Well, fun for me because let me point out that... Uh, Sona and Matt did not come. Mm. I wanted to lessen our carbon footprint, uh, especially what? with real big stars. So, <gasps> oh. uh, oh. so I just wanted to make sure that everything was just right. And we had a proper conversation, okay. um, you know, because you know the way you always cut in a lot and say things like, I'm hungry. Oh. You know, <laughs> I am hungry. <laughs> I am always hungry. Uh. And he probably would have fed me. <laughs> Get me some stew, Chris yeah. Martin. Yeah, <laughs> stew. I want a veal stew. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, he's from England. They always have a veal stew yeah. handy. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I met him. He has this uh, very cool sort of compound out in the Malibu area and uh, got to meet him there. So uh, it wasn't a proper, wouldn't you say this is true, Eduardo? Not a proper soundproof studio. You will hear some ambient noises. Yes, you might hear a weed whacker here or there. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I'm the one operating it. <laughs> I don't know. No one told me that's that I was going to hurt the podcast. Right. That's odd. Um, Eduardo, you were there. You had fun. Hmm. It was cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. Yeah, Eduardo, nice. did you think the conversation was adversely affected by Sona and Matt not being there? I thought the conversation was great. Oh. Here we go. But Adam, you were I'm there too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Blay? Yeah. Blay? Yeah. 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 Oh, Blay was there. Oh, cool. that's cool. No, I said all so ne- fun. I said all necessary personnel. <laughs> I can't wait to edit this episode down to 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be a fun 20 seconds. Anyway, very excited. Uh, he's on the pod. Chris Martin, welcome. I feel great about being here with you. I'm a, I don't know what we just did. We tried to high five, but uh, I think I put my hand out in the incorrect way. Well, we reached across the aisle. We did. Of, we did. Yeah. I immediately fell in love with you once our hands touched. Yeah. I have to well, say. Well, I fell in love with you years ago. So oh, it's very sweet. Well, you know, it's nice. You uh, and the, the gents uh, from Coldplay did the show a number of times. And then you came on and we chatted once. But I've always wanted to do this because every time I've run into you, you seemed like a fascinating, smart, witty guy. But in that other format, I can't just sit and talk to you. And sort in the of, chat show format. Yeah, well, Isn't because that the whole it's, idea? Six, it's six, seven. <laughs> no, it is supposed to be the idea. Right. But in America, anyway, once you have the band and all the comedy sketches and everything else, you never really get the time to get to know somebody. I also felt that in the chat show um, hierarchy, 
singers are right at the bottom. I don't know if that's true. It's like we've got this guy juggling koalas. He's on before you. <laughs> and a guy that was was once on a rerun of a pilot. He's on before you. And yeah. then at yeah. 2 a.m., we're going to talk to you for one minute. Yeah. And then yeah. we're going to cut to... Uh, yeah. That's, Listen, I was like, okay, cool. Chris, in defense, the koala guy was amazing. He was amazing. Those were live koalas. Most of them were not injured. Uh, and no, it is funny when... What was I was looking at the other day? I just came across tape of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and they have like people, you know, doing tricks with monkeys and, and then it's like time for the Beatles. And you're thinking this is, why would you even have any kind of show other than just, you've got the Beatles, you just have them on. Well, this funny, I'm happy we're talking about this because we just did um, SNL last week, yep. which we love doing so much. And Pedro Pascal was hosting. Yeah, I saw. And he was amazing. Yeah. And it just sort of reminded me that it's great to have someone famous come on TV, but it's really great to have someone who really knows what they're doing and can act. And yes. I think it's the same for talk shows. You know, there's great guests and there's probably ones so you have to, you know, scrape the barrel a bit. Oh, I'm happy to name names. No, no, uh, don't name names. But also, if you think about like all the competitive music shows, the the voice and all, you have to remember everything is a TV show or the yes. Grammys. It's, that's what it is first and foremost. And so even if you're the most interesting composer in the world, it might not be great TV. Right. That's the way I've always looked at it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that um, this is something that I think it's exceptional for uh, actors in the UK many times, uh, which is over the 30 years that I was doing that TV stuff, I noticed that uh, American actors, I mean, I'm talking about great actors, terrific actors, top of the top, they mutter... They're, they give one-syllable answers. They don't want to ever smile because that's not cool. They've all been influenced going back to James Dean. But then I'd have these people on like Richard Harris. I'd have these uh, British actors on who have the best acting chops in the world and they're raconteurs. Yeah. They love to be funny and they tell stories. And I mean, I was always blown away by that. That, And I would always tell them there's something in the water. There's something about in the UK where, no, no, you need to be able to tell a story. You need to be able to land a joke. It's it's in the blood, I think. Do you think that comes from the different types of training or the, you know, the more theatrical background in London? Or what do you think it's from? I think... It's the tall poppy syndrome. It's the same thing with the Irish, the English, the Scottish. They're very self-aware. You can't, if you get too big, someone else will chop you down. If you, if you get a big head, if your ego gets too big, someone else will let you know it. Whereas American actors can take themselves really seriously and there's no one around to say, shut your face. You're acting like an idiot. And I think that's, to me, that's where the difference is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Um, I'm just here to tell you things that I've, uh, I've, I've... I've got a new thing in my life of if someone says something that I don't necessarily agree with, I just say, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Look, rather than, I, I don't really okay. want to... I don't, I, I'm trying to remove any conflict <laughs> in terms of... Mm -hmm. We've yep. tried for years to sort of see if the, the sort of way of changing people's minds is telling them they're wrong. Yep. And I, I don't think it is. No. I definitely feel that more strongly than ever. So I'm trying to just listen. I mean, you're a, a light, a lighter example. I'm talking about if someone's talking about fascism or this or that. Well, I was going to get to fascism. Okay. I try to find common ground with the people I talk to. And it's very hard because you're a rock superstar. And, you know, you think, how can I find common ground uh, with this with this man without seeming completely deranged? 
But I did, I do know that we both grew up in these environments where what we're doing for a living or as our art, whatever we want to call it, seemed unimaginable when we were kids. I have read that about you, that when you were a young kid growing up in uh, sort of Southwest a, of England, Southwest yeah. of England, quiet, very, you weren't a young boy that was thinking, oh, I, yeah, I, I have my plan. I'm going to be a, a music superstar. Well, it's funny. I was speaking to this 15 year old um, yesterday about songwriting. He was asking, how do you know when something's good? How do you, and I was trying to explain the duality between absolute self-belief and complete wonder and humility mm -hmm. and i think you have to keep that forever yeah but i i do think that when i was uh 12 or 13 and songs started arriving there was something in me that felt like oh these are these are really special but then on the other hand there was no nothing nearby to measure it against or yeah. no one in our even in the region had ever gone out and done that so it did seem impossible, but I still headed towards it, if that makes sense. I, I feel that no matter where you grow up or in what social strata, if you just have a couple of people say a couple of the right things to you, yes. it boosts you enough to get to the next island. Yes. So who did you have saying, you're pretty good, you could do this? My parents sent me to a summer camp that I hated away in the woods in Maine, and I didn't. the kids didn't like me and I didn't like them. And then there was one counselor that I just... He thought I was the funniest thing. Right. And he kept laughing really hard. And he kept saying, are you guys listening to this kid? What's his name? I can't remember now. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember his name, but uh, I just remember that he was really uh, laughing. And then he single-handedly got me through that summer camp experience. It was all because he thought this kid's really funny. And then that just kept happening. And I know for you, yeah. you had... That's our common ground there. You had a you had a music teacher. A couple of people. Then I had. Uh, you just reminded me that the, in the same year, two things happened, which was like a a total microcosm of how my whole life has turned out. Mm -hmm. I played an original song in a school concert and got booed off by a drunk boy in the year above. And at the same time, this um, dad of a friend who had been in a pretty successful band in England. He came to see a concert and I played another song that, and he said, you're going to be massive. This has happened in the, almost in the same month, you know. But then the drunk kid came back. <laughs> well, well, no, but fun, <laughs> no, he won't. No, but funny enough, Connor, the, the drunk guy uh -huh. showed up backstage in Australia in 2009 oh and now comes to all of our shows. Wait, the kid that booed you off stage. He might still be booing, but there's more people around him. <laughs> I don't know why he's there, but he's there. He's the one guy booing at a Coldplay yeah. show. I love, I love that. Either that or he's saying Bruce. <laughs> which, which, Springsteen, I've seen him often after show, tears coming down his cheek because he thought he was booed. I You're know. like, no, 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 no. You t I know that you, you took to the piano at around 10, 11? Yeah, guitar, yeah. But the guitar I, was first, I know, yeah. Yeah, bo both. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm very good at either, but I'm, this is another thing I was saying to this young guy yesterday. So many of our songs, the portal through which they arrive is some failure that I've done on the guitar or I'm playing the wrong thing, but it sounds good. Right. Or, or I'll often tune to a different tuning so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Or, or play without looking on the piano. So I'm just hearing it. So I don't know if it's correct, if you see what I mean. Yes. And often if you analyze our songs after the fact, they're so simple that we would never have allowed ourselves to do that had we known, oh, it's just E to A to B to E. But it's not, because I know 
I mentioned this to you once, I've tried, when I first approach a, a Coldplay song that I love to play, there's there's always something like, well, Yellow's a really good example of that high E string. To play it right and have it sound kind of like, I'm going to say the record, just to date myself, but the recording, that 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 high E string has to be tuned slightly differently. And, you, and, and there's something about it that's, there's always something in your songs, and it's a compliment that, that is, somewhat different. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. if you think, well, this is just a straight B. No, it's not. No, it's really it's, not. I feel like this is, um, this goes across my life too, that uh, your limitations are become strength. So oh, yeah. really early on, I realized, well, I'm not going to be the best singer of all time. And I'm definitely not as fast on guitar as my friend Simon, you know, Yep. or as Wilson Pickett. I'm not going to be as good a singer as that, or T I'm never going to be able to dance like Tina Turner, but maybe I can make things we weirdly me yes and, and i and I, I that's what i feel so encouraged about a whole around the whole world right now is seeing people become themselves even if it's a bit different yes because that's how i feel about our music and i don't claim it's the best but it's definitely the most us i mean it kind of fascinated me to find out at which i didn't know that your chemistry and something feeling right is so important to you that the story of how you found your drummer seems extremely improbable you yeah. know because he wasn't really supposed to be no the drummer no you you had someone who was technically very proficient and then yeah. when it came time to record he wasn't around well i is realized right? it's funny this week i realized what he actually is which is he's our sommelier oh okay. he, he's obsessed with wine I, I think you won't mind me saying oh i thought you were gonna say he's our sommelier and then use it no, as no, sort I'm gonna, of like, gonna, it's gonna be an analogy wait <laughs> so he's he really is your sommelier this so this is what this is will our, our drummer but he yeah. plays a lot of things and he will champion yeah will, will champion yeah he's also a wine expert mm -hmm. now now that he's nearly 70 um, <laughs> but uh -huh. his 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 role in the band i realize has always been sort of to say we've got too much of this flavor you know change this he sort of has this uh connoisseur yeah overview he I, can see I, the whole thing yeah, yeah he he's for example he said to me years ago i don't mind what kind of song you present me but as long as i feel it's emotionally real we'll do it hmm. and some still i show him things he's like I, I we can't do that and i get mad but i really trust his um what's it called discernment yeah his poor judgment no no he's i don't know right. I, he's, I, no he's right he's right well, he'll uh, say that this song is sounding quite poppy make sure that the lyrics have enough bitter sweetness in them so that I can enjoy playing it. And um, he's right, because that's life. Life is this amazing tension between, you know, extremes. But when you originally chose Will, it, it wasn't necessarily because he was the most technically proficient drummer. No, no, because no, no. But none of us were. Yeah. As a non-musician, I'm fascinated well, by... But you are a musician. First of all, we have so many things in common. Okay. <laughs> Let's go through them. We play music. Uh -huh. We all both right. rely on the feedback of other people for our livelihood yes that's true we both love what we do yes we're both devastatingly handsome oh my god and uh we should have started with that one that's about it i think uh well uh, but also uh i want to just point out that i'm meeting you we always do these We've in my both studio with your wife <laughs> <laughs> she still talks about it all the time best day of her life um 
you know, we usually do these in uh, my studio and we came out to where you are and I won't say too much about where we are. You can it's say this, it's okay. We, we, I'm, I'm going to give the address. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's, it's out in Malibu and it's this big compound. And the second I got here, I thought, this is a fantastic. I love this. You have all these different buildings. And then I thought I could be a cult leader here. You know, yes. Well, I think I, that might have been what it was originally built for. Was it for a? Oh my God! I've always think, wanted a cult. Well, you can get them these days, pretty cheap. I know, but I want one of those kooky sex cults where I walk around in a purple robe. Okay. And then eventually, I'm killed by my own cult cult members. Okay, great. They can't take it anymore. <laughs> you might well, be. I don't know. I. I, I, I yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, If you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Come on. If most people are being honest... No one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, 1 billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
would it be okay if I lived here? You can live here in a robe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to wear a robe and wander around. Yeah. Um, You're welcome anywhere we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about how important chemistry is, and I know, is the band a democracy? You know, does everyone have a, a voting say? I think that this is very hard to answer objectively, but I'll try. Okay. I think the five of us, because there's four, four that you see, myself, Johnny on guitar, mm -hmm. Guy who plays bass, Will, who's the drummer sommelier, mm -hmm. and then Phil, who is um, our kind of creative director. He, and he, you've known him probably Since we were 13, yeah. yeah. And he was the other person where I grew up who was like, we're going to do this. And we would read books about R.E.M. and U2 and the police. And we were both in a blues band with this slightly older kid who was teaching us about Motown. And we were like, that's what we're going to do, but with no real right. uh, knowledge of how. So for whatever reason, we've all got our gifts in the world. Mm -hmm. And mine is, I get sent songs and I get a very clear idea of how we're supposed to, where we're supposed to go as a band. And I get sent ideas all the time for this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And so, and Phil does too in a different way for more sort of where we should play or uh, let's release an album then or something like that. So the two of us are the ones who come in with, we've got to do this, 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 and this. So to counterbalance that, you have Will and Guy who, we're not talking about music, we're just talking about how the band operates. They are more of the naysayers in a good way to make sure we don't do all the stupid ideas, but they sort of pick what actually is good. And it, that's the same with, with music, except that on all of our songs, I know this is a long-winded answer. I'm no, I, this is... This is on this all is... of our songs, they're like a production line, mostly, which is that I get sent sort of the skeleton of the song and the title and everything, and I'll present that, and then Johnny, Guy and Will will layer their stuff on it, and it's not finished until they've all either put their parts on it or, de or decided not to. So we, we always split our publishing royalties whatever the song is, because it allows people to choose what's best for the song because they're going to get paid either way. So they might say, this doesn't need any drums on it, but I'll still get paid for drumming, so I don't need to put drums on it. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, um, and I'm down with it except for the payment thing. Uh, I would I do my best to screw the people around me. I can see that from the, <laughs> from the threadbare footwear. I, I keep saying that's my name up on the marquee, and um, I then I hand them a, a can of uh, old beans, and they can have that. It's funny, your job starts out to make music, and then this other job comes along, and some people can do it, and some can't. And in your case, obviously, you, you, you're great at it. But the stage work of doing a massive concert, right. the things, all those skills are not discussed in the, in the entire process of you learning uh, to play music and play music with your friends and write these songs. There's no discussion or thought about, okay, when we're playing the arena, when we're playing the Super Bowl, how do we put this across? That takes... All of these skills that a lot of people who could get to the point that you, that you were at musically would say, oh, I, I can't do that, but you, you are very adept at it. And I think that's a whole other skill set. Well, first of all, thanks, Conan. I, I don't know how to answer something like that in terms of adeptitude. Is that the right word? Aptitude? <laughs> okay. Keep yeah. that in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, this is another place where I feel that we've leaned into being ourselves with no fear of embarrassment, because there's no way I'm as adept on stage as Beyonce or Mick Jagger, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm definitely the best at being me. Right. And so that you can only kind of learn by doing yes. and by loving. And I guess what I'm saying is 
Chris, you put on a show. Yeah, we do. You and and you and 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 the rest of the guys, you put on a show, but you are burning incredible amount of calories. Uh, there's there's a there's a huge. You're giving of yourself, and you're also playing to a massive massive uh, group of people, and a lot of thought goes into the live show. Yeah, because. It, it seems very important to you and the guys that everybody feel and be part of every moment. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking the other day that a lot of the things that we're really good at as a band are not categories that get bands get measured by. Mm-hmm. So we might not be the best this or that or in the top 100 this or that magazine or whatever, but there are some things that we really care about that we're just never assessed for. And the main thing we care about is that interaction and communication, partly for our own sake as humans, wanting to feel alive and yeah. not so alone and sort of sing together and feel that positivity and partly for our audience so that they can have a great time. More, more so than ever, that's our priority. Um, so I forget what the question was. I'm so sorry. I asked you how the First World War started. Yeah. Well, a bit like that. <laughs> Two groups of people. <laughs> um, uh, clearly, it was important for you to learn how to do this the way Jagger had to learn how to do it yeah, at well, some we're, point. We're really lucky that after the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, <laughs> we... By Gabriel Princip, yes, yes. We were, yes. Able, we were able to start small. <laughs> So we've been touring almost since then. And, you know, we've learned like from the, we call it the toilet circuit in England. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's the, the bar circuit here would be, the yeah. club circuit. We call it the loo circuit here. Yeah. Okay. So, so we have come all the way up, all the while watching our heroes, you know. Yeah. And I'm more of a fan than ever. So I'd say we learned by doing and yeah. are still learning by doing and always learning by watching. And even though I was at the Grammys the other day, um, watching Bad Bunny play and uh, that hip-hop retrospective, which was amazing. So yeah. every week- When they got everybody on stage. Yeah, every yeah. week there's something that I see that I'm like, oh, that's that's amazing. Let's try and learn from that. So, yeah. I'm curious. One of the things that I talk about a lot, I almost think it should be a sub-theme of the podcast or in the title, is um, be careful about who you envy. Because so many people who you would envy, so many people would say, oh my God, Chris Martin, he's got yeah. everything. And you think, yes, I am blessed, but it's complicated. There's other stuff that's going on and it wasn't easy getting here. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't agree because... I'm really of the belief that whatever is happening for me or anybody is what we're each supposed to be experiencing as humans mm-hmm. in this massive mystery that we wow. all live in. And uh, I have not reached that level of being able to do that. But it's true. That if, you, if you zoom out far enough, yeah. that's, I didn't make me me. This, you know, the, the things I'm good at are gifts. The things that I struggle with are gifts. Yeah. Uh, that's how I'm trying to navigate my life right now. One time this guy came up to me after the Brit Awards, he was really drunk. He's like, he said, what's it like? And I said, hello, my good man. What? <laughs> I said, no, Were I you said, dressed as Dr. Watson? Yeah. I, said, I said, what's what like? And he said, you know, being a rock star and everything. And I said, well, it's my life dream and I, it's, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And, it's, and he said, yeah, I was thinking about doing it. And I, and I was, I was wanting to say He to was me, 68 years old. <laughs> no, but I was like, it's sort of, just you either do it or you don't do it, if you yep. see what I mean. Yeah. And I don't have any complaints. Yeah. 
and I, but I don't think there's anything to sort of warn people off it or warn or encourage people to it. It's, it's either that's what you are or what you are, or you're something else. Right. I'm, I'm being a little bit vague, I, I think, but. You know, that leads me to this question of, you talk about the greats, you have your Chris Martin, Coldplay, massively successful. So you get to have dinner with the people that you grew up listening to. And I'm curious, have you gotten advice from those people, you know, for whether it's a McCartney or a Bono or a, a, anyone, a Michael Stipe, any of those well, people? Well, funny enough, I don't actually have dinner anymore. I stop eating at four. And I learned that from having lunch with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> really? That's really true. Yeah. With, yeah. What happened? You were you were having lunch with him, and he said, "After this, no more." <laughs> That's it. Is, I mean, what happened? Kind of. Yeah. You know, first of all, Bruce is in my equal top pantheon of yes. heroes, and yeah, and, and, a, and love, a wonderful and I, guy. And I love him, and I love Patty, his wife, and mm -hmm. and uh, I was lucky enough to go over there for lunch the day after we played Philadelphia last mm -hmm. year, and. Um, I was on a really strict diet anyway, but I was like, Bruce looks even more in shape than me. Yeah. And Patty said, oh, he's, he's only eating one meal a day. So I was like, well, there we go. That's my next challenge. Did you see what that meal was? It's an eight foot it long submarine. Hey, <laughs> 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 one meal a day. And then you see it's this giant vat of beef chili. The chef came out and said, today we have flank of buffalo with a steroid sauce. <laughs> Washed. <laughs> yeah, I, I do this when I've had the opportunity to sit with people who were heroes of mine, it's, I find myself drifting out of my body sometimes to look at the experience from outside. I get a little self-conscious and I've learned to pull myself back in and say, just be with this person yeah, right now for sure. and talk to them. But it's hard to do when you're talking to a huge hero. Well, I think for two reasons. One is we live in a culture where we celebrate people yep. as much as, um, criticized and we also have our celebrities in that and we're very much ingrained to sort of think of them as from another planet mm -hmm. so if you didn't grow up around that like you didn't or I didn't yeah in some small part of you think oh Tom Cruise comes from another planet where everything's fine yeah of course that's not true but it's easy to fall back into that belief, sure. even when you're sitting with someone for example with Tom Cruise who I love his work so much the first time I met him, I didn't say anything about being a fan because I was like, he doesn't need to hear this. Right. And then, then I realized, no, he's, he's a human. So next time I was like, I love Oblivion or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I have to do that thing as well with people. I, it doesn't have to be someone older. It, can, yeah. it could be Adele or Harry Styles or anyone yeah. that I think is great. Sometimes I might drift into that almost worshipful fan treating them as a bit of an alien thing. Yeah. But then remember, oh, this is, a, this is a person and might even be my friend. I love any moment where I get to see these, it doesn't happen often, but if I get to be around an icon and I just see that, oh, yes, they're dealing with the same stuff in their life as I am, that makes me very, very happy. And my, my one with Bruce Springsteen was a number of years ago doing in a, I did a charity event. He was the music. I was the host slash comic. We both do it, our thing. And then we're sitting at this table together after we're done and Patty's with him. And at one point we're just talking about music and I just, this is going to lose me fans, but I inferred that I don't quite love the Grateful Dead as much as other people do. It's not quite my thing. And um, Bruce, I hope this doesn't get him in trouble again, but Bruce was sort of was like, no, I kind of, I kind of know, you know, some, some of it's great, but then there's some of it where I go and quiet. And then Patty said, 
I love the Grateful Dead. What are you talking about? And then I could just see, like anyone else who's with their partner, Bruce walking it back. And Bruce was going, I did not mean to imply that the Grateful Dead. And she was like, well, I think they did amazing stuff. How could you say? And I was saying, again, I would like to state. <laughs> I did not mean. And I was just so delighted that, oh, right. When I put my foot in it with my wife, you know, this is what we deal with. I saw Beyonce the other day after yeah. the Grammys and, you know, she's, She's Beyonce. She's my hero and sister yeah. and everything. But it's funny because I'm like, I have a knee problem from stage. And she'll say, yeah, me too. You know, you, you have like the same work complaints that no one else can talk about. Like, no, I, exactly. Know, I breathe too much of this. And that's, yesterday, the, the strobes didn't go off at the right time. Complaints to anyone else in the world would just say, go fuck yourself. No, no, exactly. No, but I love that. What do you do just before you go out? I'm curious because it's such an intense. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and, you know, you do these world tours. You're waking up. You might not always know or you might forget. Wait, where am I? Is this Madrid? Is this, uh, are we in Hawaii? Where are we? And there's a whole production. What do you do to get yourself in the right space before you go out there and do a show? Well, I'm getting older, so it's a lot of... I think it would be the same thing that you would imagine a retired footballer would do if you said you have to play this afternoon. Mm -hmm. A lot of creaking and stretching and yeah. asking people to manipulate this and loosen that. And, you know, it's that kind of thing. I've gotten into trouble asking people that. Yeah. <laughs> Please, could you manipulate this? and Please, manipulate me. Why am I being sued? Uh, so so, so yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's funny, as, as, um, as the venues become the same, as sports, mm -hmm. so the preparations do yeah, too. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, when I think when we were playing in bars, I don't drink, but the rest of the band were drinking. When we were playing in arenas, the rest of them were doing, you know, arena type stuff. And when you're playing stadiums, it's like preparing for a big soccer game or a big NFL game. And you know, you're going to get some muscle issues. And Yeah. Oh, I also think even though I've, I have had people make fun of me because I'll be about to do a show where I'm sitting and chatting with someone and I'm stretching. And people say, what are you stretching for? You're not going to in any way do anything slightly athletic. And I say, it's something about preparing. I yeah. need to do something for myself that gets me to a slightly elevated Yeah, I think place. that comes from physical stuff and from uniforms. I, I think that we see it all around the world. Anyone that's given a uniform to, to um, enforce a rule yeah. can do it very very firmly when they have their uniform. But if they were wearing shorts and a t-shirt, you wouldn't take them seriously. Right. In the same way that if I could not go on stage dressed like this, I would not be able to do it. I have to put on my uniform, which looks pretty similar. <laughs> looks pretty similar, but I know it's my band uniform. Yeah. And uh, That not, makes sense to me though, too, because I've always felt it isn't, it's a perform, a performance has to be slightly, you get to a slightly different place than we're sitting here, I'm wearing jeans, you're wearing sweats. If there was an audience here, I sometimes, even if I'm, I'll, I'll put on a tie, even if it's not required, I just feel that I need to do something that shows that I'm an ice cream man and I put on my ice cream man uniform. Yeah. Well, this is a, a cool, I don't know if this is interesting, but it's been on my mind because I, I got told that I got in trouble for not dressing up enough for the Grammys. Mm -hmm. Although my partner said, you did dress up, you put shoes on, <laughs> which, which, I, which was A, true and being uh -huh. really kind. Uh -huh. But I was thinking about, I am happy to feel like I have to wear an outfit if it helps me perform better, but I don't agree with telling people what they have to wear. Yeah, Maybe that's a, a hangover from school where you're told you have to wear this or I, I, um, I was, I was, I need to write a treatise on this, like the sort of 
clothing uh, rules. Yeah. Well, it seems like it, it, it's, it's, on my, but it's, it's on your it's mind nascent. because you don't, well, first of all, it's the Grammys and it's representing all different kinds of music and free expression. So the idea that you need to, you need to dress up for the Grammys. Yeah, but there's also, then there's also a thing of does clothing show respect and, and if, and I would never want to show disrespect. So, because mm-hmm. I, I love the Grammys. So, so I was interested, maybe I was wrong or maybe, maybe we're sort of brainwashed to thinking if you're not wearing a tuxedo, you can't get married kind of thing. Right. Well, right. Of course you can. If you're hot, you know, what, what if you're an ax murderer and you're dressed correctly, are you a better groom than Woody Harrelson over here who loves you with all his heart, but is wearing board shorts? Right. 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 No, you're not. But then I didn't know the answer. I, I, <laughs> and I think Woody is very violent uh, in my experience. Well, I, um, I, I'm going to give big shout out to Woody Harrelson because he was at a concert of ours when he was so kind to my brother when he had no reason to be that he just became yeah. an extra hero in my eyes. Well, that's nice when obviously people are nice to you, but it's it's so delightful when you find out who someone really is, when they're being, when you find out later on that they talked for 20 minutes to the person who was installing cable, you know, it, it, th- I don't know. I love that. I, when, when people reveal their true kindness yeah. through just... Uh, well, he did another thing too. It wasn't uh, performative, yeah. He did another thing because something I learned from my dad is that you? Everybody is interesting if you ask them questions. You know? mm-hmm. Everybody, and my dad is amazing at that. And he comes out on tour a lot, and he doesn't necessarily know who people are from movies. So he talks to our crew a lot, and a lot of them have names like Bash or Hoppy, mm-hmm. Mystic, things like that. And then he met this guy called Woody, and he started talking about you know what do you do? Do you fold the cables? And it was Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and <clears throat> hello, Woody. Like this. And then he told you, I met this lovely fellow named yeah. Woody. Yeah. And uh, and again, Woody Harrison was cool as fuck. I was, uh, many years ago, had a party and Jim Carrey was there and my mother was there. And at one point, my mother, I see my mother talking to Jim Carrey and I'm thinking, oh God, what's happening? And then she came over to me and she went, I just talked to the loveliest young man. His name's Jim. And, uh, and I said, oh, oh, you talked to Jim? And she was like, yes. And I told him, if you want to be in comedy, you stick with it. And they're going to try and put you down, but you keep... Of course, he had had like nine... He was the biggest star in the wow. world at the time. And I said, Mom, all I want you to do is go back to Boston and tell your friends you told Jim Carrey to stick with comedy. <laughs> That's great. And uh, she did and got laughed out of town. Um, That's amazing. I had... I was visiting my friend who had cancer at the time in New York in hospital. And I was coming down in the elevator with a nurse in all her glory, like six pens in the pocket, like, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I was singing, not loudly, not like, hey, check this out. Yeah, yeah. But I was mumbling or something. And she said, oh, you have a beautiful voice. And I said, oh, thank you so much. She said, you know, you should, uh, you should do something with that. <laughs> and, I, and I said, and I said, Oh, yeah, well, maybe. And she said, also, you look like the guy from Coldplay. <laughs> this is really true. And I said, okay, yeah, I, people say that. And she said, you know what you should do? You should call restaurants and say that you're him because you would get really good tables. <laughs> and then she left. <laughs> and it was amazing. Did you ever reveal or at a certain point you can't, right? I sued her, but um, <laughs> no, I didn't. And I think, I think, because we don't, uh, well, we don't appear, I mean, I guess we appear on TV sometimes, but so much of our artwork is arty and we're not always, I think the band is more famous than any of our faces. In, in, right. Um, so that, that kind of thing happens a lot. People say, oh, you look, you look like that person, but you're, you're dressed in, you know, a tracksuit. 
<laughs> so it can't be him. Yeah. What I get a lot is, oh, you're so much better looking than on television. And I'm always like, why would people come up and say that to me? And I'll say, it's I look pretty bad on TV, huh? And they go, well, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I've had people say that. Yeah. The last time I saw you in real life was... I think you were coaching a basketball game. Uh, I was looked, there. It was my son great. was playing basketball. And you were up and down the sideline. That's right. And shouting I was, aggressive things yeah, I at children. Yeah, I tackled a child. Uh, <laughs> wasn't my kid. Um, yes. And and we were both there and we had, uh, we, that's right, we got to connect, which was nice. Just as guys who were two at dads. a kid's. Two dads. who were at a, at a kid's basketball yeah. game. That was fun. I think you're... Kids are more interested in basketball than mine, right? Uh, bear, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, my son, um, you know, was very interested in the snack you get after the game. Yeah. That was, I think, what he was in it for. Are they musical? Uh, yes, but my, my daughter has a very good voice and plays piano. And my son is musical and loves music. And uh, so uh, we'll see. I'm not sure anyone's going to do anything with it, but it's just nice. It's nice when it's part of their lives. Do you think everybody is musical? I do. Uh, I'm going to say no. Do you know anyone that doesn't like music? I don't know anyone who doesn't like music, but I have been around people uh, who seem like if their life depended on it, they wouldn't know how to make a sound. Yeah. Does that have, I mean, you must have met people like that. Kind of, but I really, I really want to believe that. The music isn't everybody because music is vibration and that's what we're all made of. Right. Maybe it's just that some things, I read this really good book called The Conscious Ear mm -hmm. about why, about vibration, you know, in, the, in all things, but it came into talking about why some people respond to some voices and not others. And it's to do with the frequency that that type of ear canal resonates with. Yeah. And then why there are other singers that appeal to more people because they have a thicker bandwidth. It's really interesting. You know, I just wanted to bring up, because I don't want to, you know, you've been very gracious with your time, and but I, I just wanted to bring up something that I think is amazing, which is you and the band have done this very cool thing where you want people who are hearing impaired or, or deaf to be able to come and enjoy a concert as well. So you've figured out a way where they can... And you, you can enhance the, enhance the vibrations of the music? A lot of our critics say it's the best way to experience our concert <laughs> if you can't hear the music. But what is it exactly? Because I didn't understand what it was. You mean the, the okay, yeah. Um, they are called sub-packs. Mm -hmm. uh, Dakota, my partner, gave me one as a gift because she's, she'd seen someone online experiencing whatever they were experiencing with this. It's kind of like body armor that you put on and plug it in. Yeah. And it and it connects to the bass. Uh, but Billie Eilish's brother, um, Phineas, Phineas, yeah, wears one on stage because mm -hmm. if you're if you're on stage, it can give you help you know where the one is, where the yep. kick is. Yep. So she had seen this lady use it in the in the hearing hearing impaired you know deaf community, and she said you should use this somehow. And so we started doing that, and um, it's been so amazing, and should get better and better. So we have. I don't know whether it's 10 or 20 now every night um, of those packs. And so if you're hearing impaired, we have an, an area where we have a signer and you put on this pack and you can feel the show. That's really lovely. That's fantastic. It would be great if that caught on and more people were doing that. Yeah, well, you know, like, like a lot of things in our sh show, they're expensive. Yeah. So in, until um, the price comes down, you know, but, but uh, they're amazing. 
the things that people do to consider other people are just wonderful. Yeah. And you don't hear about them as much as you hear about the, the shitty stuff. No, we had definitely that's have, okay. Yeah. But they are out there. And uh, so I've been, I've been, um, I just worked out a way actually, because I do a little bit of sign in, the, in our show, mm -hmm. dressed as an alien. I just worked out how to change the sign language to fit the country we're in. Because last year I could only do it in American, but, we, but we'd be in Chile or something. And I'm, it would be like speaking American on stage. Right, right. So you've got to figure out a way so to... I've just worked out how to do that. I'm excited about it. I think the key is you keep evolving. You have to keep evolving. You have to keep changing. You have to keep... There's no point where you say, well, God, we've done it. No, never. Yeah. I keep evolving. I learned from Brian Eno, who came to kind of rescue our band in 2006. He came in like an, like an excited puppy. And he was, he was 59, actually, when yeah. we met him. Yeah. And he would always be learning and excited about learning. And I really just loved that and stole it. Well, it's funny, it's funny you say, it's not stealing it. Well, you did steal Bruce Springsteen's diet. Uh, and he'll get you for that. But the, and I'm going to steal it now too. I'm, I'm at the exact right age to be inspired in both directions. Yeah. And I love it. And <clears throat> sometimes I have to overcome a bit of professional jealousy occasionally to, yeah. to allow myself to be inspired by something that's maybe more successful or that I think is better. Yeah. I think we all struggle with that. Um, but there is inspiration everywhere, not just in music, but in film and in everything, science, all over the place. And then you said about not having anything else to achieve. Mm -hmm. I think that whether it's a combination of what, what I try and learn outside of music or whether it's age or whatever, it doesn't really feel about trying to achieve anything anymore. Yeah. It just feels like, Phil and I were talking yesterday, it feels like we got the job that we really wanted and now it's just, we can just do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Like yeah. We wanted to be this stadium band that really made people connect and sing together and not see the differences as much as the similarities, as, as hallmark as that sounds. Yeah. That's, that's our real goal. And, and, now it's the, and now it is the just, it's the doing of it. Yeah. No, Every just, day is the doing of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and you realize in a way that maybe the drive that you had or the ego is to, is to sort of rocket boost you to a place where you can actually be a bit more useful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not about winning this and beating that person anymore. It's like, no, just, it's just make something that some people might like. Letting go of that when you can do it is, is such a better way to live. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if you can let go of it, that's, you're better than me. I, I have to consciously override. I mean, I have to consciously listen to a lot of weird feelings and mm -hmm. I luckily have some tools that help me these days to, not be owned by that feeling. Yeah. And one of the hardest ones is that, oh man, Harry Styles' new song is better than our new song or something like that. Right. Luckily, I've been taught how to very quickly be just inspired by it. Be like, you know what? It's awesome. And he's awesome. And I love him. And I'm just going to work harder. I uh, just saw him at Coachella last summer and he was dancing and turned around and I saw that he had an H on the left butt cheek and an S on the right butt cheek. And I thought... Jesus, that's an innovation I need to steal. I need to walk around. Oh, it's a C. And the O takes care of itself for you. It? <laughs> I'll get a little apostrophe put over my, okay, my anus. Um, this, uh, this was really a blast. This We're going to finish on that. I, do you think there's a better place? Okay. Um, you've been, uh, I, I love talking to people who are insanely talented, uh, but also 
interested in connecting and interested in the journey because we're all just trying to figure it out. And you've been really lovely. And I do want to say you gave me a remarkable gift when I walked in the door that I is gorgeous and I'll cherish it. No problem. Yeah. It's a Rolls Royce, 1958. Yeah. Silver Shadow. Yeah. We give them to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's the power of soft rock. (laughs) You're so self-centered and you're giving out Rolls Royces. It's just a bit of a clash. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. I'm so happy to see you. And and we love you, man. I I think we came on your show 20 years ago. You came on many times and just uh, absolute pleasure. Yeah. And, you know, the first few times and you just like, how did we get here on American? You know, so... Right, magical and mystical, and you were kind to us, and that doesn't ever go away. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, thank. Well, God, I mean, we were honored, honored to have you. Yeah, but you could have been a dick, and you were really kind, and it was a good example. Well, you got um, me on a Wednesday, then. Yeah, thank you. All right, you. thanks, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. in today's Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. 
undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Let's check in with the people who do a voicemail. All right. I like to hear from the peeps. Sona? What? You in on this? What are we doing? I'm sorry. Wait, what did you say? What are we doing? <laughs> you were looking right at him as he spoke. It wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was, I had, uh, my hair was shedding. So I was taking the bits of my hair and then I was putting it in, but I, I actually know putting what Putting them in about. what? The trash can. You throw your hair in the trash? What else? Would, I don't want to throw it on the floor. It's part of you. Wait, you want me to? It's, it's falling off. You're supposed I to make a talisman constantly. out of it. Yeah. And give it to people. Yeah, your your great grandmother would want you to make something out of it. Called like a Watch it. What? Called like a Rebbe boob. <laughs> yeah, why not make a Rebbe boob? Yeah. Tie it all together and make a little Rebbe boob man. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll start here. Here's one. Okay. Well, that's the start of your Rebbe boob. Okay. What does the Rebbe boob do? Oh, please. Are you you don't know Armenian the way okay. I do? I just want you to tell me what it does. It protects you in the night. <laughs> It's like an evil eye. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're gonna do a voicemail. Sound good? Uh, sure. Let's let's uh, let's hear it. Sona? Yes. Okay. Punch it. Hey Conan, I've never listened to the podcast before, but I want to know what your sock game is like. Do you have like one drawer that's got like veiny socks with patterns on them, and another drawer that's got like <laughs> black and brown socks? Or you like put them in the same drawer? Or you don't even mess with some kinds of socks? Or you wool sock during the winter? Like, what's your Oh no! Just what's your shot game? All right. Take care. <laughs> wow! I've never heard the podcast. Well, I want to call that out because I think the only way to call in is if you listen to the podcast. So this person's yanking your chain. This guy's playing with my sock, is what he's yeah, doing. Is. You know, I'm gonna say. Um, well, let's assume. Well, let's take him at his word. He sounds very casual, unless he's trying super hard to be casual. He might be a huge fan mm. who's laying it on thick. Like, uh, I don't yeah. really listen to the right. podcast. That means he's listened mm-hmm. to everyone twice. Right. And, he and some of them backwards. I don't know. I think he's really high. Mm-hmm. I think he's at home eating some Doritos and he's like, I'm going to call Conan O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just Googled how to call you. I think that's true. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. All right. Um, that seems like the most likely scenario. What's his name again? He didn't he say. Didn't, he didn't say a name. Wow. So, he is pretty chill. Yeah. All right. I'm going to call him Chill Zone. Chill Zone. Just for lack of a real name. Uh, chill zone. That's a good question. Um, is it? It isn't. Was, <laughs> I'm going to say that was muscle memory. Chill zone. You've been busted on all fronts. Yeah, you are a rude stoner, which is a very odd combination. I've never listened to your podcast. <laughs> Screw you, man. I'm so high. It's not usually how people come across when they're stoned. But anyway, I will reveal how I do it. I have two drawers. You do? I do have two drawers. Oh, man, what an aristocrat. Exactly. <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> two sock drawers. Hey, when I was a child getting hand-me-downs from Luke and Neil that didn't fit, I dreamed of not one sock drawer of my own, but two. One has all athletic socks. Cool. 
Because as you know, Sona, oh, no. I work out constantly. Jim Rat. You don't just get a body like mine. You, you have, have to, to be in an accident. yourself. <laughs> I was going to slam myself, but you didn't trust me to do it. Oh. Uh, and then I have one that has is all purpose, like some wool socks, some of those gold toe socks. Classic. That are still left over from my late night days. Wow. Because that's the, I never went out and bought gold toe socks, but that was the ones that were assigned to me and like TBS, NBC. These socks go back mm. thousands of years. So, so you, you keep, stole them yeah. from the networks. You can't steal socks. They just end up being transferred uh, from one place to the other. That's National Broadcasting Company property that you're... You know, no, true story... All the suits I wore all those years at NBC, they were very careful about it. if I wore them on the weekend or something to an event, they would want that back on Monday. Whoa. They, I used to kind of wonder about it because I'm 6'4 with very specific measurements. And I thought, these suits aren't really going to fit anybody else. I have legs that are, my body is disproportionate. I'm, I'm a very large person. What are they going to be doing with these suits? Uh, I, and they told me extras wear them in scenes at Saturday Night Live. You're kidding me. Yep. Oh, Whenever wow. you see a six foot four, uh, really long legged background person at uh, on an SNL sketch, they might be wearing a vintage Conan O'Brien suit. But think about that. From These the 90s and 2000s. Actors were probably very nervous because they want to be actors and they're just in the background sweating all day and night in that thing. And then you're Monday morning. Ugh. Oh, no, they wouldn't get no, no, it no. during the it show. It wasn't during. It was after I was done with them. When I had, when I had, you know, oh. no, no, it wasn't like I had you, to turn them in so that on the weekend, a stranger could wear them in a sketch. In my defense, I was only half listening. Uh, I have a question about your socks. Yeah. Do you fold them into each other or do you lay them flat to save the elasticity of them? No, no I, that I, work? I, I lay one on top of the other and then fold. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's how yeah. I do it too. Yeah. But some people are very big on saving the elastic. So. I, I'm not. I okay. just, I don't care if they get a little loose and floppy it just makes me look like a, a real cool dude it does yeah <laughs> one floppy sock yeah every now and then i like to show a little like to show a little ankle oh. you know i'm very victorious about my sexuality oh. every now and then i want someone to just catch a little bit of my ankle and go Ooh, i'm intrigued oh. Oh. you know there was a time when people showed a lot less and you had to use your imagination in victorian era people used to say like oh look at Hmm. That's that, up, that upper collarbone. That's where the oh. phrase "put your best foot forward" comes from. Showing off your your ankle and your calf. Oh, really? From the restoration days. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's true. That's oh. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't know how to react. In a culture where only your eyes are seen, if you're completely covered except your eyes, people are like, "Wow, yeah. showing a little lash today." Yeah. You know that? I mean, it can be taken to any extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we are losing our our sense of true sensuality by showing too much. And yeah. I'm trying to bring it back by covering as much of my body as possible. And that's by popular request. <laughs> you just wear a sheet with a hole and your wanger sticks out. <laughs> <laughs> my wanger? <laughs> it's the wanger guy. It's the wanger. Coming down the street. Uh, sounds like... It's a red hot wanger. sounds like a, a failed car from the late 70s. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Dotson wanger. <laughs> Goes 35 miles per hour at top speed. Uh, <laughs> Where do you come up with these? Your wanger. I don't know. I mean, that's you know what? Fair. You're a that's guy that talks game. dirty from like 1952. <laughs> I know. 
This guy was arrested on Fifth and Elm for showing his wanger. His straw hat has been confiscated and is being confined in a 1932 Nash Rambler until he apologizes. I don't, I honestly don't know what's ever going to come out of your mouth. Why why use a standard term when you can make a new one? You know what I mean? I thought that might be one that you use. Is Wang, does anybody use Wanger? Wang is a term for... Todger. Oh, God. Jesus. Oh, my yeah. God. For tricks and berries, for your ghoulies, for, yeah. you know. Boy. Unbelievable. Well, you're just a font of this mishmash. I love it. I'm, this is, uh, I think you're a time traveler. Sometimes I think that, you know, those, those romantic shows where a guy is traveling through time. And uh, he has a passionate love in the in the present day. But what's it called? Oh, are you t- uh, Outlander? Yeah. Oh, he's like a guy from Outlander, except he's just picking up different euphemisms for penis <laughs> throughout different times, and then coming home to his true love in Pasadena and saying, uh, "Would you like to see my Todger, my Wanger, honey, my- the Velvet Scepter's home? <laughs> Velvet Scepter's home. Want to see my Winkle Vibe? I'm here with the old diddly squat. You, know, you guys are bringing these terms back, so yeah. that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it's you know. Well, I hope I, I do have. I, I don't popular. You, would you say that I'm an extravagant person? No, okay. I would not. At I'm all. not, but I do have two sock drawers. Uh, and I think that answers the question. Listen, if you can have two sock drawers, I think everybody would want to be able to have two sock drawers. Yeah, but because I have two, my son has no drawers at all. Oh, oh you had to take Yeah, them. yeah. Man. We had to wow. take some of his drawer space. So he has so no socks? He doesn't wear socks. He Whoa. can't. He can't have socks. That's rough. Yeah, he can't have anything, really. Yeah. He what has, socks are you wearing today? Uh, Those are nice. Oh, I said black, black. That's just good. regular black wool socks. You okay. know, that's all. Not what a big deal. Wow, well, you thought you were going to us to a prop. No, Whoa, I didn't. Oh, look. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Where's Waldo? There's Waldo. <laughs> what do you got? I just got ankle socks. Yeah, showing a little ankle. Oh, hey, I'm a slut. <laughs> You're an 1832 <laughs> slut. Leave Harlot. Be gone. God, she's sexy and she has tuberculosis <laughs> and palsy. <laughs> oh, let's wrap this up. All right. Well, anyway, um, hey, I hope you do uh, get a chance to check out the podcast sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you, How will he hear this? You laid back slacker. Yeah. All right. We did it. Bye. Bye. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... 
a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Imagine, you just got home from work, dinner is ready, wine is chilled, and your man has offered you 15 minutes of heaven in the form of a foot massage. And then he says, Your tanning session is now complete. What just happened? You found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month featuring Australian gold. Perfect man, not included.